This is Truth and Love Ministries, where we bring people home to God by learning His truth and experiencing His unending love. Today we look back and see what we can learn from the folks of the Old Testament. It's not God's intention for us to continuously walk in the same mistakes that we've seen others make in the past. Instead, it's our job to learn from their mistakes and walk in wisdom for our future. We pray this message refreshes you and speaks encouragement to whatever is going on in your life right now. Okay, now for the message, Lessons from History. I want to say good morning to everybody. What a great day to be alive. What an awesome day and a day we ought to say that the Lord has made. We ought to be rejoicing and glad in it. Why should we be glad? If we can't look forward, we can definitely look back and see how good God has been to us. We can definitely look back and see how he's kept us, how he's provided for us, how he's protected us. If you have enjoyed any joy, any peace, any provision, any perfect protection, if you have enjoyed life this week, you ought to be excited and you ought to be glad that God has given it to you. For the word of God says every good and perfect gift, gift comes down from the Father above. Anything good that happened to us, anything good that was done through us, it was God himself that did it. And we ought to be grateful and excited and elated about what God is doing in our lives. I know if we look at the world, it looks as if the devil is in charge and the devil is in control, but I came to reassure you this morning that even though it looks as if Satan is ruling and, and dominating the world, I came to reassure you that my father is in control. He's in control. And when it, at the darkest hour, they say it's the darkest right before dawn, right before the sun begins to shine. So don't look at what we perceive to be bad. Let's focus on our Father. Let's focus on the goodness of God. And let us not ignore what we see, but let's pray and take it before the throne and take it to our Father and, and, and believe that he is able to stop this disease. He is able to touch the lives of these people. He is able to save the lives of our people. He is able to stabilize our nation. He is able to bring about racial equality and everything necessary to restore peace and calm in this nation and in the world. He is able to do it. He is able to give the doctors wisdom in what to do in, in, in coming up with a vaccine. He is able to turn the hearts of our leaders to do what's right before him. And so let's look at the situations, but let's not focus on them. Let's not focus on them to the place where they start to affect how we view life and how we feel about life. Because remember this, that was a day and time when God led his people into the wilderness and there was nothing there. There was no water, there was no food, there was no groceries, there was nothing. But yet God made provision for his people. And remember this, that in Egypt, God made a distinction between the, the world and the people of God. When there was, when there was stones falling in, in, in hailstones falling in Egypt, the children of Goshen were living in peace and joy. When darkness 
was so, it was so dark that it said a man couldn't even put his hand up to his face and see it. But there was light where God's people were. So God always have and always will made a distinction between him, the world, and his people. So my, my word to you today, my encouragement to you today, is don't let go of God in the midst of this pandemic and in, in the midst of all this chaos and trouble because the, it is always darkest before dawn. Now today we want to continue on learning lessons from history. Lessons from history. And today we want to continue talking about uh, people that have made mistakes in the past and fail and that fall was tragic. And most of, one, most of the ones that we've covered, if you look at their lives, most of them were worshipers. Most of them believed, all of them really, believed in God. And the truth of the matter is, if any of them were here alive today, they would be comfortable in our church. That's concerning, that's concerning. And the truth of it is, some of them probably would be leaders in our church because of how we view and look at people. So, because they all believed in God and they all worshiped and yet they all fail. And God wants us to learn from them so that we don't make the same mistakes that they made. And when today we wanna to kinda of focus on Numbers chapter 22 and we, we find that we're looking, God's people are beginning, things are starting to look better for God's people. They're on the move again. They're on the move. And they've had some victories. They've had a few victories. In Numbers chapter 21, verse 33, it says, Then they turned and went up by the way of Bashan. And Og, the king of Bashan, came out against them, he and all his people, to battle at Edri. They have, they, they have won two battles, Sihon and Og. They have taken possession of their land getting ready to cross over into the promised land. And then we find that Balak hears about this mobile army and he's worried about them. Here you got this, this army that does not have a base. They don't have a base that you can attack. They don't, have a, they don't have a place that you can get. They're mobile. They're on the move. And every place that where they go, they're taking over. They're taking it. And Balak hears about it. Balak is asking, actually king, he's a king, and he hears about this mobile army, and now he's become worried. In Numbers 22 and verse, verses 1 through 3, it says, Then the people of Israel set out and camped in the plains of Moab, beyond the Jordan at Jericho. And Balak, the son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites. And Moab was in great, great dread of the people because they were many. Moab was overcome with fear. He was overcome with fear of the people of Israel. He really, truthfully, if you, if you search, search out scripture, he really had no reason to fear because God had instructed Israel not to harm them. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter two, verse nine, it says, and the Lord said to me, do not harass Moab or contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land for a possession. See, God, 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 already done, God already has made provision for them. God has already 
taking care of them. He's already said that they could not, they, they, you could, that, they, that, that Israel could not attack them, could even harass them. But then Moab was worried, and he, he was worried, and he said, he said, Moab said to the elders er, 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 of Midian, he said, man, these people are kind of going to come like horse, and they're going to lick up all that is around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. In other words, he said, they are coming, and they are consuming everything. And he was concerned about it. He knew, Moab, uh, uh, Balak knew that he could not defeat them in war because he knew their victories came from God. Not just any God, but the God of Israel. He was blessing them. God was blessing them. Everything that they set out to do, God was blessing it. So he decides to, he decides to go another route. Balak was going to try the supernatural. He's going to try something different. He wanted to know if God would, could be swayed or, to, or, or, or if God could be convinced to, to change sides. And instead of blessing them, hmm, maybe I can get God to curse them. So now he's trying to, he's trying to, he's trying to see if he can sway God, if he can get God to do the opposite of what he's been doing. This is where Balaam comes in. This Balaam comes into the story. Now, Balaam lived about 400 miles away from the action, and really he was in the middle of nowhere, and, but he had a genuine knowledge of God. He had a genuine knowledge of God. He had a remarkable spiritual gift. He was a prophet. He was able to hear words directly from God. Now, not many people can say that, and I'm not talking about one of these prophets that makes up things. I'm talking about a prophet that when he would speak, the thing that he said would come true. This guy was the real deal. Balaam was the real deal. He was a true prophet of God. Now, somehow, King Balak must have heard about it. He must have heard about Balaam because he sent people 400 miles, 400 miles to inquire of Balaam. In Numbers chapter 22, verse 6, he says, Now come now, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. Now he's actually talking. He, this is the message that he's sending to Balaam. He's actually telling Balaam. He said, man, I, I, I heard, I, I've heard of your reputation. I know some things about you. I know that when you bless something, it is blessed. I know that when you curse something, it is cursed. He said, now come and help me. Because these people, this, this army is too big for me. I can't defeat them by war. His reputation preceded him, and Balak knew he was the man for the job. So he sent princes, he sent men of high stature, and he sent them, guess what? He sent them with a big payday to get him. He said, now this is the man for the job, and I'm going to send what's necessary and needed to get him. So I want you to just imagine that for just a moment. You've been unknown, and, and, and now you hear from Washington, D.C. 
and they want you to speak to this special group of people that is going to be televised nationwide. Money is no object. The cost is no big deal. But all you have to do is change your message to suit the crowd that you will be speaking to and you will be not only well known, but well paid. Consider that pressure. Consider that. And in, in, and in Numbers chapter 22, verse 8, and he said to them, this is what he said after they came and showed Balak, they, they came and told, they told, came, came and told Balaam what, what Balak had said, what the king had said. And after Balaam looks at that check, after he looked at the money, this is what Balaam said in Numbers chapter 22, verse 8. He said to them, man, y'all are large here tonight. Y'all stay here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. Now, I want you to, I want you to see that, man, this check was so big that, uh, that Balaam said, man, I got to pray about this. He said, I... He said, I got to pray. So he asked the people, could they stay the night? Y'all just stay here tonight. And so when they, 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 after he stayed the night, he went in and he prayed. And guess what? God answered him. In Numbers chapter 22 and verse 12, God said to Balaam, you should not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Now let me, let me read that. That, that. that deserves a second read. It says, now God said to Balaam, God said to Balaam, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Now, God has spoken, and there are no hidden revelations in here. It's all on the surface. A child could understand what he said. A child could understand what God said. And, and, it, and it's almost, I mean, God put it in such simple language. God said, you shall not go with them. Stay at home. You shall not curse those people because they are blessed. Balaam didn't wake up confused. Balaam didn't wake up wondering. So what does Balaam, what does Balaam do? He speaks with courage. He, speak with, he speaks with courage. In Numbers 22 and 13, so Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go to your own land, for the Lord has refused to let, let, let me go with you. Man, look at his courage. Look at his courage. But let me say this to you. Don't rest in your victory. Satan will try to test you again. And guess what Balak did? Balak sent higher-ranking leaders and a bigger check. Because Balak wants to know, do you really mean what you said? Let me say this to you. 
A lot of times we speak things. A lot of times we say things. A lot of times we see other people do things and we say out of our mouths, I would never do that. The truth of the matter is what I'm saying is, devil, I have mastered this area in my life. Come try me. Come test me. Come, come, come do it. I'm ready. I'm prepared. I can handle it. When the truth of the matter is, we don't know ourselves. We don't know our own heart. We don't know who we really are. So he said, he said, so Balak is saying, man, he's sending higher ranking leaders. He's sending a bigger check. And the underlying question is, do you really mean what you said? And in Numbers 22 and 18, it says, but Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, listen at this now, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the command of the Lord my God to do less or more. Wow. He said, man, if he gave me the palace, if he gave me his palace full of silver and gold, I couldn't go beyond what God said. Now, if he believed that, that should be the end of this story. But what he believed and what he did were two different things. What he believed and what he did were two different things. He knew what God said, but he knew that the rewards were great if he said something different. In Numbers 22 and 19, here he is again. So you... Two, please stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. Now, here, here he is again. Now, here he is again. Let me, ask, let me ask the question. God has spoken. God has spoken. All I can hear is that song, let church say amen. But God has spoken and told him, you shall not go with them. You shall not curse these people because they're blessed. So when they come again, when Balak sends higher ranking princes, a bigger check, Balaam says, man, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. It does not matter. If he promises me his palace, Full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond what God has said. If he, if he believed that, then why would he say, let me go pray and see what more God will say? Sounds like some of us. Now he's getting religious and spiritual, which is really rebellion and resistance. God was plain about what he told him. What he needs to pray about is strength to do what God said. Let me say that to you again, folks. We don't need to, we don't need to keep seeking God when God has given us an answer that we don't like. We need to pray and ask God to give us strength to do what he says. God, help me to do what you're telling me. So 
The question is, how will God respond? How will God respond? Guess what? God really gives him what he wants. He told him he could go, but still could only say what God said. There was nothing Balaam could do. Listen at this, folks. There was nothing Balaam could do to change God's blessings upon his people. There was nothing Balaam could do. Oh, Lord. You know, what I hear in that, I hear the scripture in Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate Neither death, nor life, nor angel, nor principality, nor power, nor thing present, nor things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. There is nothing, there was nothing Balaam could do to change God's blessing upon his people. Wow. But guess what? When we know what God has said and we keep pushing for a way around it, he may just give you what you want. I've heard people say, be careful what you ask for because you might just get it. Be careful what you ask for, for you may just get it. The scripture comes to mind right now in Genesis. It said, God will not always strive with the heart of man. And God was striving with Balaam, telling him not to go. He told him what not to do. And Balaam knew what God said. God didn't put it in riddles. He didn't put it where he needed to go and have it in uh, some interpretation. He knew, you shall not go. That's not complicated. These people are blessed. You can't curse them. And so he, 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 he tried to work his way around it. God may just give you what you want when you're trying to get around what he said. So here Balaam is. While he's on his way, his donkey his donkey sees into the spirit world and sees the angel of the Lord three times. Now I want you to understand something here that God is actually teaching a lesson. God is actually showing something here. He's showing what's going to happen. Okay. Now, now, the first time, the donkey sees the angel of the Lord standing there with a sword and the donkey turns into a field. The next time, it says he saw, he, he, he was between two walls, and he said he crushes Balaam's foot up against the wall. He's trying to keep from going forward. And the third time, he sees the angel of the Lord with the sword, and he, he falls to the ground. What is God teaching? On three occasions, Balak would try to get Balaam to do what God was against. Balak was going to try to get Balaam to do three times what God was against. They went to three different mountains only to obtain the same results. They went to three different mountains, folks. Three different mountains. Balaam would tell them to, 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 to make a sacrifice, and then they would go on top of the mountain, 
And when he got to the top of the mountain, all he could do was say what God told him to say. And all he did was bless the people. He went to the second mountain. See, that's the donkey. First time the donkey went to the field. Here he goes the second time. He, he sees the angel of the Lord. He's, he's going, he's trying to go contrary to God. So when he gets to the second mountain, he tells them to sacrifice seven bullocks. And they go to the top of the mountain. What happens? The same thing again. He speaks and all that comes out of his mouth, mouth is blessings upon the people. And Balak becomes furious. They go to the third mountain. This is, that's the second mountain is the donkey crushing Balak's foot against the wall. He goes to the third mountain. And when he gets to the third mountain, he tells them to sacrifice seven bullocks. And they go to the top of the mountain. He opens his mouth and, mouth and speaks. And when he speaks, guess what he says? He said he blesses the people of God. Balak is furious. This is when the, the, the donkey saw God, the angel of the Lord, and fell to the ground. In other words, he, he, he was showing us with the donkey that Balak would try to go three different times and would not succeed because God was contrary to him. They get the same results. And see, what you have, there's, there's a scripture in, in, in the New Testament that actually sheds light on what was happening here. And it's Revelation chapter 2, verse 14. He was speaking to the church at Pergamos, and he said these words. This is Jesus speaking in the letters to the seven churches. He said, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam. God is teaching us something, showing us something, uh, 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 giving us something in the New Testament that helps us to understand what went on in the old. This completes the story. So he says, he said, but I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. Okay? Three times he sought to turn God against his people. All three times failed. So Balaam realized, he went, he went to Balak and said, man, I can't do it. I can't do it. I cannot turn God against his people. But he said, now this is the teaching of Balak that he's mentioning in Revelation chapter 2, verse 14. He said, now I can't turn God against his people. But I can turn his people against God. I can't get God to change, but I can get, God, get, 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 get the people to turn against God. So we see in Numbers chapter 25, the first three verses, it says, while Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. You see what I'm saying? You see what, I'm, see, see what he did? The, 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 the teaching of Balaam, is, is, is that we can't, I can't get people, I can't get the God to turn against his people. 
So my effort is, is to get God's people to turn against God. And that's what he did. And if you read that last verse, it says, now, now, now so Israel yoked himself to Baal of PR, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Now, they turned, he turned the people against God. He was the Judas of the Old Testament. Now, I want you to learn a lesson about the devil right here. The devil is not trying to separate God from us but he's trying to separate us from God. He knows that God has said, Jesus has spoken. He said, I'll, I'll never leave you nor forsake you even to the end of the age. I'll be with you in trouble. I'll deliver you and honor you with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. He promised never to leave us. He said, even when you're unfaithful, I still remain faithful. And the scripture I quoted earlier, he said, nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from him. And the devil knows this. So what does the devil do? The devil works to get us to turn on God. God won't ever turn on us. But the devil wants us to turn on God. And that's why he worked so hard and so diligently to get us to sin. So, how do we avoid falling into the same trap? The first thing we need to do is this. In relation, in relations to the matter of gifts, make sure you cultivate character. As Randy Morris would say, character. Make sure you cultivate character. Spiritual and natural gifts are wonderful. But gifts without character are useless at best and dangerous at worst. Now here's the sad part about Balaam's life. As gifted as he was, his gifts added nothing to the kingdom of God. Listen to me good, folks. If you have gifts, and, and most of us do, we have gifts. If we don't cultivate character with our gifts, they will produce a zero in our lives and a zero for the kingdom of God. We must have character in order for our gifts to have meaning. God's people would have been better off without him. Let it never be said that, that, that God's people would have been better off without some of us. I hope that we are a blessing. I hope that what we've done has been life-changing. I hope that we've demonstrated some kind of character and not just a gift. Let me say this, folks. There are too many people in church with gifts that don't have character. And guess what? They are a burden and not a blessing to God's people. 
they become a burden, a burden and not a blessing to the people of God. Paul said that the Corinthians were, were, were lacking in no gifts. He said every gift that was listed was operating in and through the Corinthian people. But guess what he also said? 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3, he said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, that is, there's the gifts, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, he said, if I, if I, if I, if I don't have character, I can have the tongues of men and of angels, but he said, all I'm doing is making noise. That's all I'm doing is making noise. He said, now, and if I have prophetic powers, remember Balak was a prophet. He heard the words of God. He actually saw God. And he said, if I understand mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I could ask to remove mountains, listen at that, but have not love, I am nothing. And then he goes on to say, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Note what he said, if I don't have character, I'm noisy, I'm nothing, and I gain nothing. In other words, my life produces a great big fat zero for the kingdom of God. This takes me again to the story in Matthew chapter 7. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In, in the last eight minutes shall come to me and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In my name, in your name have we cast out devils? In your name done many wonderful works. And these will look at them and say, depart from me, for I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Understand, again, he said you can have gifts. But if you don't have character and if you don't have love, it will gain you nothing. Absolutely nothing. You'll profit nothing. You are nothing. You are a noise. Balaam was gifted, but he didn't love God or, or God's people. He was in love with himself his gifts, and his ministry. We are just a noise without character. And folks, it is not so much a great gift that God uses, but a likeness to Jesus. There are many talented people. There are many people with gifts. But the question is, are they like his son? What is God's ultimate goal for our lives? What is he trying to do? What is he trying to produce? That we might be made in the likeness of his son. He's trying, the goal, God's goal in everything that he does is to make us like Christ, is to make us like Jesus. 
And he, when he looks for a gift to use, he's looking for somebody like his son. The second thing we need to learn to keep from falling into the same trap. In regards to money, practice integrity. Practice integrity. In Jude chapter 11, it says, Woe to them. Jude 11, I'm sorry, not chapter 11, but there's only one chapter, but Jude 11, verse 11, Jude, verse 11. For they walked in the way of Cain. What is the way of Cain? Cain, Cain was angry at his brother because he didn't come the way that God had revealed himself and he became angry with his brother and he killed his brother. So he, he was a murderer. And abandoned themselves for the, for the sake of gain to Balaam's error. In other words, he had no integrity when it came to money. In other words, he was willing to do anything to gain money. And then he says, and perished in Korah's rebellion. What happened in Korah's rebellion? When the earth opened up and all of Korah and his whole family and everything that he owned, the earth opened up and swallowed them. If I'm not mistaken, 250 men, 250 people died that day. 250 people, the earth opened up and consumed. So he's saying, don't be like Cain. Don't fall into Balaam's error. Pursue money. Have no integrity when it comes to money. And then perish like Korah. Money took him off track. Money took Balaam off track. He said all the right things. I prayed and God spoke to me and told me I can't go. These people are blessed and I can't curse them. He said, if you, man, if you offer me your palace full of silver and gold, I cannot go against God. That was true. But what he said and what he did was, were two different things. Jesus said, you can't serve God and money. The King James actually says mammon. Mammon is a spirit, spirit over money. And it, 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 it demands servants. Because God wouldn't say you can't serve God and mammon if both were not calling for servants. You can't serve God and mammon. Mammon is calling for people to serve it. You'll be amazed at people who live this life and live in this world simply to make money. That's all they think about. You know, it was a sad day when I listened to the president when the, when the Saudis had killed, killed Suskoji or whatever his name was. And, and all the president said was, they buy 500 million or 500 billion dollars worth of weapons from us. In other words, all he could think about was money. If you listen to what he say, we're, we're, we're getting money from the Chinese now. Money. We cannot close the nation down. Money. 
He wants to run on the economy. Money. It's about money. What about the lives of the people? What about the people that are dying? 138,000, if I'm not mistaken. I may be a little off to the left or the right. So the question is, is the first thing in your life pleasing God or making money? Are you more concerned about pleasing God or are you more concerned about making money? Can someone come along and make an offer to you and you'll bankrupt your morals and values to take it because of money? You have to choose between the two. Hear this. God will not measure your life by how much money you have accumulated, but by the faithfulness you have shown. And if you read everything in the scripture, if you read Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, it's all vanity. He said, it takes me a lifetime to gather it up, and I leave it to a fool, and in, in, in a short period of time, it's gone. I'm not telling you not to save money. I'm not telling you not to make money, but I'm telling you to make God first. Put God first. Let God be first. And God will take care of you and provide the money. The third thing in relations to faith. Live what you believe. Live what you believe. Balaam had great spiritual experiences. Hearing the voice of God and seeing God. He spoke the word of God. But guess what? He didn't live by it. Most of us have made decisions about what we believe. Most of us have made decisions about what we believe. But we must also make decisions about our behavior. And there was a great divide between what he believed and how he behaved. If you talk to the average person, most people believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Most people believe that the world is coming to an end. Most people believe that, that Jesus actually came to the earth, that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus died and he was buried, he was crucified, and that he was resurrected on the third day. Most of us believe, we set our belief system that he is a soon coming king. One day he's going to come again. But the question is, have I made decisions about behavior? The question is, I believe it, but do I act like it? The question is, I believe it, but do I live like it? The Bible says even the demons believe and shudder, but there's no corresponding action. Remember, belief is an action word. When we say we believe something, there should be corresponding action. I know everybody's tired of hearing this, but let me say it again. 
If the weatherman says it's going to rain, you act on what you believe. If you believe it, you get an umbrella. You get a raincoat. If you, if, you, if, you, if you don't believe it, you don't get anything. But either way, you acted upon what you believed. With, with Balaam, his belief system was set, but his behavior didn't match what he believed. That was a great divide between what he believed and how he behaved. His convictions were one thing. His behavior was another. He spoke the word and lived contrary to it. He spoke the word and lived contrary to it. Remember what James said. James said it this way. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. Jesus said it this way. He talked about two men building a house. He said one man was building his house on the sand. And he said the rains came, the winds ascended, the floods came and beat against that house and it fell because it was not founded on a rock. Because he built it on the sand. And he said, that was another man who built this house on a rock. Said the rains came, the flood descended, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell not because it, it was founded on the rock. In other words, he said, there was one that heard these sins of mine and didn't do them. That's like building on the sand. There was one that heard these sins of mine and did it, and he said, that was like building on the rock. In both lives, the storm came, but the difference was they acted on what they believed. And when I hear this, it's convicting to all. If you're listening to this and you actually think that you, I'm not talking to you, you're worse off than what, I, what we really think. There's no way any of us can listen to this and not see where all of us need God to help us. There's not anybody that cannot look, listen to this message and see where what you believe and what you do don't line up. That you, you, you believe, you say you believe one thing. That's the problem with the whole church. That's the problem with the world and the church. We say we believe one thing and we act contrary. We say we believe in this great Jesus, but we live in fear. We say our God will provide, but we still. We rob. I know, every, I know some people listening saying, I, never, I wouldn't rob anybody. But a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people, we don't realize that we... Man, we, we, we are so bold and so courageous. We, 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 don't, we won't rob. No, 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 we won't rob people. But the Bible said we got courage where we'll rob God. Figure, go figure that one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick up God. 
And let me say this to you. If you are rob God, there's nobody else that you want in some way, shape, or form. Robbing don't necessarily mean held up with a gun because you can't hold God up with a gun. You can steal time. You can lie and cheat on your taxes. You could do whatever is necessary to try to get gain in whatever way, shape, or form. That could be done through tearing down another person. That could be done through robbing another person of their good reputation by telling lies on them. There's multiple ways to steal, to rob, to try to get gain. And the truth of it, all of us need God to help us. Every one of us has the potential to be like Balaam. To hear the word, to believe, and not act upon it. Not behave accordingly. So we need to appeal to our Father to help us in this situation. We need God. As Psalm 139 says, search us, O God, that, that I may know my heart. That's not what it says. That's not, not how it says it, but that's what it's saying. Search me that I may know my heart. Try me that I may know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O oh God. Remember what I said that when, when, when he prayed again to see what God would say, he should have been praying and asking God to strengthen him to do what he said because he knew what he said. Too often we say, I'm praying about it to, be, to sound spiritual when the truth of the matter is we're being rebellious and resistant because we already knew what God would say. Why do I need to go ask God, do I need to be baptized? He's already spoken and said that I need to. There are certain things I don't need to ask God because he's already spoken about it in Scripture. I already know what he said about it, and therefore I don't need to ask God about it. And if I'm asking, I'm trying to find my way around what he said instead of simply doing what he said. So every one of us need to say, help us, oh God. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me not to be like Balaam. Help me so that I'm not willing to cause the fall of another for the prosperity of myself. Help me. That's what Balaam did. He was willing to sell out the people of God in order for him to gain. He's willing to sell out God's people. He was the Judas. He sold them for a piece of money. He sold God's people for a piece of money. What do we fall out about? What is most of the trouble and the chaos about? God help us. God help us. Let us pray. Lord, as we come before the throne of grace, we ask and we seek your mercy. We call upon you for grace. We ask you, Lord God, to help us, to show us how to handle these situations and circumstances that we're faced with 
in our lives. Lord, there's such a, there's such a, a fine line between serving you and serving ourselves. There's such a fine line in doing your will and doing our own will. So, Lord, I'm coming to you because I need your help. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your strength. Lord, I need you to keep me from falling in this day, day this, this, this dark world. There's so many that think that they're right, think that they're doing the work of God, just like Balaam, just like Esau, just like Korah. We think that we're doing what God wants us to do. God, help us to see where we truly are with you. Don't let us be deceived. Don't let us leave this world deceived. Those that have strayed, call your people home, Lord. Call them back to you. And Father, I just bless you, praise you, thank you, worship you, honor you, Lord God, that you're going to do this for us. And I bless you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, come back next week. But before you go, let's spend a little bit of time in worship to our God.
Say hey. 